Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to think for a minute about kids and their toys. Two or three kids or more are in a room together and you give them some toys to play with. It's usually inevitable that whatever toy you give to one child, by Murphy's Law, that's almost never the toy that that child actually wants to play with. He always wants the toy that the other kid has, no matter what it is. He may already have the the coolest, most awesome toy that there ever was, the the newest action figure, or if the child is a little bit older, uh, the newest video game console and his favorite game. And the other kid may have something that's only very plain and and simple, like a, a wooden block. It seems that no matter what it is, one child always seems to want what the other child has. As we look at our own lives in the context of our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see that we, even as adults, can often be pretty similar to little children when it comes to the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us. For example, do you ever get a little bit jealous of a fellow brother or sister in the church whom you think is more gifted than you in some way? whom you think is better than you in in some manner of Christian service, perhaps when you see a a fellow brother or sister in Christ who seems to be so richly blessed with spiritual gifts, you may begin, at least subconsciously, to devalue your own spiritual gifts. And you may even begin to wonder if you have any spiritual gift at all that is useful for the fellowship of believers. Or on the other hand, Maybe you are tempted to take pride in the gifts that you have. Perhaps you don't boast about them openly, but your pride may be revealed in other subtle ways, in certain words or actions that might imply that you're just a little bit more special than everyone else. You may forget that these gifts are just that, that they are gifts, that they have been given to you. They don't come from you but they come from God, the Holy Spirit, who has given them to you. The Christians in the city of Corinth to whom Paul was writing this letter, 1 Corinthians, they certainly had committed sins of this kind. Throughout his letter to them, if, if you've read the letter 1 Corinthians, you know that Paul chides them, scolds them again and again for the divisions that they had created within their church because of jealousy and sinful infighting. They had divided into different factions, aligning themselves behind the names of their favorite apostles and evangelists and and preachers of God's word. And so as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, some were saying, I follow Paul. Others said, I follow Apollos, who was another evangelist. And others said, I follow Cephas, a, a name for Peter, the apostle. We also see later on in 1 Corinthians that they showed very little concern for their fellow church members, as even at the Lord's Supper, they separated into different factions and cliques. Some people were eating and drinking first and getting full and drunk at their Lord's Supper celebration, which was combined together with what we might call a potluck. They called it a love feast. 
But some were, were getting full and drunk, maybe because they were wealthier than other church members. So they brought their own food and they were you know, gorging themselves on the, the plenty that they had. While others who were not so well off didn't have enough to eat and perhaps had to wait to the, to the end to, to get the leftovers from the richer members of the church or perhaps even got nothing at all. And regarding spiritual gifts, some of the Christians in Corinth flaunted their gift of speaking in tongues as if it were a badge of honor or a sign that they were more spiritual than the other members of the church who did not have that gift of speaking in tongues. And those in the church of Corinth who had that gift of speaking in tongues acted with such an attitude of superiority that those who didn't have that spiritual gift were jealous of it and longed for it. But Paul says that of all the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit had given, that gift of speaking in tongues is actually the lowest in importance and usefulness because nobody can understand it without interpretation. Paul writes later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, In the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And again, that's because... If you're speaking in a language that no one else understands, it benefits no one. So he says, I'd rather speak just five words that everyone can understand. What about here in our church? Well, perhaps the most publicly and noticeable gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, are gifts of teaching, teaching God's word, whether that's to adults or to children, gifts of leading worship and music. Do some of you see those gifts in others as, as being so important that you overlook the spiritual gifts that God has given to you? You sometimes think, oh, I wish I had the gift that she has or, or that he has. If I had that gift, well, then I could really do great things for God and for the church. But teaching and the ability to, to play music and leadership in the church, those are only a few of the many, many gifts that come from one and the same Holy Spirit. So in verses 8 through 10 of our reading, the Apostle Paul says, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Now as we hear that list of gifts from the Spirit, perhaps the, the gifts that jump out the most to us are those supernatural gifts. Gifts like healing, miraculous healing by the power of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of other miraculous powers. Gifts of speaking in tongues, which also is itself miraculous. But as we look back at, at the history of the Christian church over the past almost 2,000 years now, we see that these more supernatural gifts of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul mentions here seem to have been only or primarily given only in that very earliest period of the history of the Christian church only within the, the few decades after Jesus had lived and, and died and risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. 
And today, at least before the last hundred years or so, it seems to have been a rarity, if it happens at all, that these gifts are still given to believers today. But the Apostle Paul makes clear through his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and chapter 14 that other spiritual gifts, the gifts of love, of encouragement, and of teaching God's Word and sharing it with others are higher gifts than these more supernatural gifts of miraculous powers and speaking in tongues. Because the gifts of love and encouragement and teaching God's Word have far more potential for building up the fellowship of believers in faith in Jesus, which is the most important thing, believing in Jesus as your Savior. And the gifts listed here in our reading are not the only spiritual gifts that God gives among believers. Later in chapter 12, Paul also mentions those able to help others, those with gifts of administration. And besides these, there are many other gifts that the Apostle Paul does not list, which we can identify in ourselves and in other people. But the most fundamental and the most important of all spiritual gifts is the gift of faith in Jesus as our Savior. And that is a gift that God has given to each and every one of us. The gift of being able to say from our hearts with spirit-given conviction and confidence that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Savior from sin. And when we understand the importance of this spiritual gift, then we can truly begin to understand the, the main point that Paul was making in our reading. Yes, we certainly see many different spiritual gifts among the brothers and sisters in our church. But it is the one triune God who has given all of these gifts. And he has given all these gifts for one purpose, for the spiritual welfare of the fellowship of believers. And so Paul writes in verses 4 through 7, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So no matter what our various spiritual gifts might be, we are all united together as one body of Christ. The most important thing is not which spiritual gifts we have, but the most important thing is that we all have the same Savior, Jesus. And that we all are united by spirit-given faith in the forgiveness of sins that Jesus has won for us by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And so Paul writes in verses 12 through 13, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Jesus, the sinless, eternal Son of God, gave up his life for the multitude of us sinners, who by our sinful nature were at war with God and with each other. 
According to our sinful nature, we were the farthest thing possible away from fellowship, harmony, and unity. But Jesus died so that the many might become one. One body of believers, united around faith in God's great salvation. One body of believers, united in praising the God who gave his life to save us from eternal death in hell. One body of believers, with our many gifts united for the common purpose of building up and and strengthening each other in faith in Jesus. And also for the purpose of sharing this message of God's saving love and forgiveness with many other people who don't yet believe this message. Praying that God would bring them also into this fellowship of believers with us. At this time of year, we begin to uh, especially focus and, and give thanks to God for the blessings that he gives to us as citizens of this country. Of course, on Memorial Day, We thank God for those who are willing to give up their lives uh, to preserve the freedoms that God has blessed us with in this country. So think about uh, on the back of the coins that we use in this country, the short Latin phrase that has been adopted as the motto of the United States. Maybe you're familiar with it. It's a pluribus unum or e pluribus unum, which means from many, one. Now, in the context of the United States, of course, this refers to the hope of the founding fathers of this country that, that the, uh, from the people of, of many countries who came and settled in this land uh, before the founding and after the founding of this country, people from, from many different nations around the world, from many different ethnic and cultural backgrounds, that even though they came from many different places, that there would nevertheless in this country be unity around the common ideals of liberty and justice for all. The hope that people from many different backgrounds could put aside their differences to become united for the common good of the nation. Now, as we look back at the history of the United States over the past 250 years or so, this ideal seems to have been very widely accepted. In the past 250 years or so, millions of immigrants have united together with people already living here for the common good of this nation. What about in the Christian church? As we see the Apostle Paul teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that motto, a pluribus unum, would certainly be a fitting motto for us Christians as well. From many, one. From many sinners who once took sinful pride in ourselves and our own personal spiritual gifts, God has made us into one body by redemption, the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus. From the many who doubted the importance and worth of our own spiritual gifts, God has made us into one body by the washing of the waters of baptism. God's word connected with water there from the many who each followed our our own different individual visions and goals, God has united us into one body through the outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon all of us. Through that one Holy Spirit, God has united us in faith and in vision so that no matter what our various gifts might be, God will use each one of us as he has determined for mutual strengthening and encouragement of the believers, and for reaching out to those outside of our fellowship 
who still need to hear the message of God's love and forgiveness through Jesus, just as we need to continue hearing that message. And so as we think about the many gifts that God has given to his church through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, let's remember that phrase, from many, one. And let's praise God for it. Praise God for the unity that he has given us through the redemption of his Son. That although we are many, yet in Christ we are one. Amen.